0: I'm dreadfully sorry, I don't actually know your name. (laughs) Oh, well, I've got a bear name, but it seems to be rather hard to pronounce. Uh, That's not right. Or perhaps you'd like an English name? An English name? Like what? Oh, look, Henry, it's perfect. You want to call him Ketchup? No. Ketchup the bear? Paddington. Paddington. Paddington? Addington. Paddington!
1: Sorry! London, is the place for me London, that lovely city You could go to France or America India, Asia, Australia You gotta come down to London city
0: Hello everybody! Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Film Room. Or...
1: This time we're going to y'all's territory. Yes. Um,
0: yeah, we're going to we're going to Great Britain. Uh, let's talk about Paddington.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about the Paddington film franchise. One that uh, I'm going to be, be blunt: we're almost doing this cast just to feel good, just to talk about something happy. Um, uh, so we should really kick off this cast before we say anything else by discussing what Paddington has been in news for which is the second movie is uh, surpassed Toy Story 2 for highest rated movie with 100% hmm. uh, positive reviews. It's still at, it's still at 100%. I can't pull up Rotten Tomatoes right now, maybe you can, but uh it was last time I checked. That's
0: pretty amazing. Like in this yeah. It's not a small number of reviews, too. It's like... No,
1: well, that's the the whole point, is that it had over 100... And I don't know how many reviews are up. You, maybe you can tell me when you get there. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it set a record on Rotten Tomatoes. No two ways about it. It set a record on Rotten Tomatoes. And it put this uh, franchise in a vaunted tier. Because I don't know if people remember this, but the first one is still sitting at a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I did not know. Yeah, the first one is sitting at a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes three years after it was released. The Super Bowl is on today? Yes, I don't care
0: about it either. I don't either. I'm just learning about this. Okay. Yeah. Whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever. Don't care.
0: I can't believe the first Paddington was released three years
1: ago. I know it's wild. It's it's wild. Um it's still sitting at a hundred percent. Yeah, and how many check click and see how many reviews that is. All critics, uh, 178. 178 reviews. <sighs> not and there's not a negative one. Now, uh-huh. I think Rotten Tomatoes has a lot of issues. But you can't deny when you see 178 reviews and not a single person can post didn't like it. Right. Man, that tells you that this franchise is in a vaunted tier. I mean, keep in mind... the the movie that it shot past was Toy Story 2.
0: Yeah, and the only reason that, um, well, actually, I'm thinking of Toy Story 3. The only reason Toy Story 3 didn't get 100
1: is because of one person. Yeah, Toy Story 3, basically what we're saying is the Paddington movies are being put on the same tier as the Toy Story movies. Does it deserve, does the franchise deserve that place? Well, we're not going to spend very very much time uh, debating it because yes, yes, it does. So we're going to be covering these movies. We are going to get, though, into the why of this franchise. Why has this franchise reached this point? And so I want to start off by saying that I really believe that this franchise got where it got. I mean, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into all of it. And hopefully we're going to give you a good cast. Um, But uh, let's begin with uh, something that we've talked about off air, but I think is really kind of vital for this, which is. Okay, Paddington is a UK icon. He's not as well-known in the US. For a lot of people I know, the movies really were their first exposure to the bear.
0: Yeah, like, I know, for me personally, I remember that he was a thing in my... in You know, when I was a child. Like, I didn't... Uh, I wasn't, like, ever uh, exposed to the material. But I remember... Okay I remember two things I remember that he was a thing He was based on a book mm-hmm. uh, And he had stop, stop motion animated movies That's all I, I have
1: seen I grew up watching the stop motion animated shorts So that was my exposure to the character Was the stop motion shorts yeah.
0: and, I, and I may have seen some of them But I don't remember
1: See Paddington was part of my childhood I did grow up watching the shorts uh, I loved the shorts I knew the basics of his story. Uh, I read the Michael Bond books when I was a kid. Not all of them, a few of them. But I knew Paddington. I knew this character. I knew who he was. Um, And so I really didn't want them to screw up the movies. So let's, let's talk about not the first teaser, which is a rather sweet, poetic teaser that sets up the story perfectly, and depicts the idea of he's a bear on a journey, and it has a quick shot of Paddington looking out of the mailbag. That's that's a lovely teaser, and I do encourage people to look it up. Let's talk about the second teaser because that is the one that immediately people on the internet watched and were like, "Oh, this movie's gonna be horrifyingly bad."
0: Yeah, like watching it now, like knowing the context, is not so bad, but watching it's aggravating. It, yeah, it is aggravating. Because the scene scene in the film, as it is in the film, is perfectly fine, and it fits. Yeah. uh, And it's funny, but just they advertised it like they would, like, say, the Minions
1: movie, or... Yeah.
0: You know, something like that.
1: It really is sold like a Minions movie. It's sold like, oh, wacky bear. (laughs)
0: Waka
1: waka. Oh, looky, look, 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 uh... He's eating his earwax.
0: Isn't that <laughs>
1: gross. He's destroying everything. Ha ha! Isn't this funny? No, it's not. <sighs> I hate it. I hate it because it really did scare a lot of Paddington fans. A lot of Paddington fans were very worried after that trailer. And the second trailer looked better. The second trailer looked better, but it was but it was still hard to say. So then the movie came out and it got rave reviews, and everyone was kind of shocked. Um, it's worth noting the film did have a slightly turbulent production in that they had to recast Paddington's voice, indisputably for the better. Uh, the original choice was Colin Firth, who, amazing actor, great actor, tremendous comedic actor, but can we agree completely wrong for this material?
0: Yeah, I don't think he would have been right.
1: Too adult.
0: He would have been okay. He wouldn't have had the same charm.
1: Yeah. Ben Whishaw, who stepped in, who actually had... Honestly, probably less exposure to the material than you did from what I've read. Huh. Who stepped in had the, just the most perfectly poetic, just sweet, nice guy voice, um, that made it work. He, he really gives Paddington an innocence, a purity, a decency. He, he's a nice guy. This is a nice guy bear. And they stacked these, they have stacked this franchise with, just an absurdity of great of great British actors
0: they have yeah, yeah P- Peter Capaldi was in it uh just at his at his uh the start of his run as Doctor Who
1: and then fittingly enough at the end that's true
0: that's true god
1: yeah yeah because he's because you know uh because he had just handed off the reins famously and in no way controversially to a new actor <laughs> Yeah, nope, nothing controversial about how they handed Absol- off the no. reins of Doctor of Doctor Who.
0: Oh, all I can think of with that, like, I think she's going to be excellent. For the record, oh, a
1: tremendous actress.
0: Like, I'm sure that the whatever I don't want to call it, nerd rage. Maybe, mm. maybe that is the appropriate term for that. But maybe that will die down after it starts. But all I can think of is the community joke with the, like, with uh, Inspector Space Time. Like they go to the uh inspect like the sci-fi convention, and everyone talks about like the only female inspector. Like we don't talk about her or something like that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's because they they knew their references. Um, but anyway, so you you have him. Uh, let's see, two Harry Potter veterans are in the franchise uh, with uh Julie Walters and uh, uh Brendan Gleeson in the second movie. If you love British comedy, these movies are just an absolute festival of great British comedians. Um, Let's see, because you've got uh, Matt Lucas in the first movie. Um, Oh, wait, I take it back. There's three – four. I'm sorry. There are four Harry Potter veterans because I wasn't counting voices. Um, Paddington's aunt and uncle are played by Michael Gambon and uh, Imelda Staunton. Yeah, which played. Notable teachers at the school, which is funny because
0: they play enemies in uh, Harry Potter. Yes, they do. Yes, they love, do. I love that they found an excuse to bring uh, to bring him back.
1: Yeah, they do in the second movie. Uh, so let's see. So you've got them. Um, also, uh, Emma Thompson uh, worked uh, on the script uh, for the first movie, uncredited. So th- there's a there's a uh, uh, a Potter connection there. Uh, the big Potter connection is that David Heyman, who produced the Potter movies, uh, did this. Um, but getting back to the British, uh, to the, you know, the Britcom team, uh, Paul King, the director of the films, worked on The Mighty Boosh. Um, mm-hmm. I again, did not know that. <laughs> yeah, he was the, I think he was the series director. Oh, okay. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he's not uh, a stranger to, like, weird British humor. No. Yeah, because
1: yeah, that's good stuff. That is it really is. good stuff. Um, to our American listeners, seek that out. That's that's good stuff.
0: Um, the way I know about it is it played on the it played on Adult Swim for a
1: while. Yeah. So you've got that. Uh, Richard Ayoade uh, has a cameo in uh, the second movie. That's great. And, of course, one of the grand dames of British comedy, Joanna Lumley, has a cameo in the second movie, which... Um, This summer, Amanda actually watched all of Absolutely Fabulous, just downed it uh, over the course of a a couple of weeks. So I I, I was excited to see her in the second movie. So again, packed to the rafters with great British comedians. Um, Really notable in that, of course, the films, just their main cast is stellar. Um, Because you've got, um, as the parents in the movie, the uh, people who take Paddington in, Hugh Bonneville from um, Downton Abbey and then the casting that probably excited me the most. Um, I'm going to pause right now to say how much I love Mike Lee's Happy Go Lucky. It is a wonderful, sweet, feel good movie that I adore. And one of the all time big Oscar snubs for me is that Sally Hawkins was denied a Best Actress nomination for it because she is so good in that movie it's one of those things you watch her in it and you're immediately like, why am I not seeing this woman in every movie that I watch? Like she should have exploded out of it into massive stardom. Did not. I need to seek that out. Yeah. Sadly she did not. Um, thankfully I'm not going to say that that was the end of the road for her because well, we're covering the Paddington movies and then, uh, you know, and she's worked steadily. Um, a certain a certain New York themed director that I'm not going to name cast her a couple of times, including once to an Oscar nomination.
0: Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, we're not.
1: God. We don't acknowledge
0: him. No, no, we don't. We we don't acknowledge monsters.
1: It is the film room's official position that we that we believe Dylan. That's all I'm going to say. And then and and then of course there's the part that has really made this movie very awkward the shape of water um, Hawkins is best actress nominated for that a film with bestiality themes let's get it, let's not let's not ignore it and a movie that was so rejected by the industry that Guillermo del Toro has only won let's see Golden Globe for best director, just won directors Guild of America award last night, and when you win the d g a award. It's basically underlined that you better make space on your mantle. You're getting the Oscar. God bless Guillermo del Toro for... Bless his weirdness. Bless the fact that if he is going up to the Oscars and he is going to win his Oscar, because it looks like that's a guarantee. It's going to be a coronation for him, not a win. Bless the fact that it's for something this aggressively him. I haven't gotten to see the movie yet because time... Yeah, but I'm so glad that this is Del Toro's fate. So anyway, it's it's still playing in
0: uh, some theaters. So I think I'm going to like one thing I do like about Oscar season is that uh, recently has been like eight like places like AMC, like the big chain theaters, yeah, will like re-release movies into the theater or extend their time. Like, and just, I
1: feel like The Shape of Water is benefiting big time.
0: It is, yeah. I saw Get Out had a has a local show, has a local like 10 o'clock showing at uh, my local theater. I would love, you know, I still have not
1: seen that. You not- still have, oh my God. It's on hold at the library. I'm go- It will, it'll probably yes, be watched by
0: the end. Remedy the that, good God. Yeah. I'm so glad that he has, uh, he has a, nom- Jordan Peele's a nomination for Best Director, right?
1: Jordan Peele is a nominate is an Oscar nominee for Best Director. Whew. How awesome is that? That is that- amazing, I love it. 'Cause I love Key and Peel. I do. That
0: that and I just saw the post and both Bob Odenkirk and David Cross are in it as like it's very serious roles and they share a shot together and it's like I'm looking at this on the screen going, Wow, I am not watching an episode of Myth- of Mr. Show right now. I am watching but for that one shot I could be, even though it's like deadly serious. It's fun it's great. I, I
1: love I love seeing stuff like this. I really do. So so much love going out to, to all this stuff. Um. So anyway, let's get back to the to the topic of uh, uh. You know, we're getting wildly off topic as always. Um. But but let's get back to Paddington because. Uh, what I love, I, I want to talk about what I love the most about Michael Bond's books because I've read them. I I, I actually have the entirety of them in different digital forms. Um. You know, I bought some on Apple, some on Amazon, et cetera, and some were library books. Um, But I have access to all of them. Here's what I love about Michael Bond's books is they are so sweet and happy and nice. And that's exactly what this film franchise nails. Mm -hmm. That is what this film franchise nails is. You feel good watching the Paddington Bear movies. And how awesome is that? That we have a film franchise that is entirely built around the concept of just be nice, damn it. Mm -hmm. That really and truly is what this film franchise is about, is being nice. There's there's no complicated, oh, well, you know, cynicism or sarcasm to it. It's just a nice bear who does nice things and people like him. That's what this entire film franchise is. How wild is that that that's a film franchise? In this day and age Yeah It's very, like, I think the film is PG Yes, they're both PG They're both, and they're the lightest PG's possible
0: Yeah, they are Like, it's, I don't see anything Like, there. there's They don't, as far as I can see Like, they don't even make any windows You know, like most There's not Like most kids' films today do there's no sexual innuendos. It's all it's all extremely innocent. Like there's
1: it's, it's no pretty, profanity at all.
0: No, and it's all pretty wonder like very clean stuff like this. Can get a bad rap just because. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's not like it doesn't deal with dark themes.
1: No, no, it doesn't. There, there's a cynic. Like it's funny. There is a cynicism there. Like Paddington exists in a cynical world. But he's a lovable, sweet guy,
0: yeah, exactly, like when he um goes to the prison, like we're not going to get into too many spoilers, well, it's hard to get into spoilers with these, really, but uh, it really
1: is, yeah, but but, yeah, like he goes to prison, and it's almost an impossibly nice prison yes. even even before he turns it around and makes it a tea shop <laughs> pretty much
0: i my wife. Some of my favorite bits in the film are, are in the prison. Like, just for the little things. Like, the warden reading a bedtime story. Like, it's okay, so... that's all for tonight. And then, from the distance, aww. It's so <laughs> absurd. It's These very absurd. absurd. Like that's, I think, like, if the first film was absurd at all, which it, is, it was, like, this one cranks it up
1: after some time, I really think I do prefer the second movie after I've had the chance to think about it.
0: Yeah. I do think it's better in a lot of ways. I think on a script level, it's better. Yeah. Um, Like, everything is used. Like, everything you think is insignificant. No. It it comes back. Yeah. Um, It really does. Um, I mean, They do that in the first movie to an extent, but in this one, it feels smoother.
1: It really does. It does. Um, Everything is well set up. There is a lot of Set up in punchline and joke telling. And I just thought of a fifth Harry Potter veteran, actually, now that I think about it. Man, there really are a lot of those. And Of course, that's to be expected. Oh, and there's even a uh, casting in the second movie of someone who was supposed to have been in the first movie, and they couldn't work it out schedule-wise. Oh? Yeah. Hugh Grant was Oh. Yeah. And he gets to play the villain. And he does get to play the villain like he was supposed to in the second movie. Well, that's the thing that I really love about these movies is they take place in a world that might as well be Narnia. It's so absurd. It's so ridiculous and silly. And to the point where a talking bear is almost one of the, one of the most normal things about the universe that these movies take place in. Um, we have not released it yet, but we do have a cast coming on Wes Anderson.
0: We do, yeah. It's it's coming very soon. I don't like Wes Anderson, uh,
1: and I love Wes Anderson. Yeah, this is our <laughs> biggest disagreement, I think, that we've ever had.
0: I think it is. Like we don't we don't disagree on much. Like okay, for re- for reference on how kind of in tune with each other's tastes we are, uh, whenever Austin goes to see a movie in the theater, that I haven't seen yet. Uh, I, like, I kind of wait for how he feels about it, because I, like, completely trust his judgment.
1: That's why you haven't seen Justice League.
0: That's why I haven't seen Justice League. That's why I skipped it.
1: And and that's why it, you probably won't watch it, honestly.
0: Nah, it'll be, I'll, I'll watch it eventually, but it'll be on, like, HBO or something.
1: And it'll be on in the background. It'll
0: be on the background, yeah. But it's, um, like, you know, Batman vs. Superman was. But no, this is this is how insane we are with each other's tastes. So it's very rare we disagree on a movie. Uh, and Wes Anderson, yeah, is
1: our biggest like it's. And I think that's logical. I think yeah. Anderson makes very divisive movies. Yeah. Um, I, but I really feel like what what I feel is missing from Anderson is a human heart. And that's now. I'm not saying that he's never had that. I think he's had some films where he's gotten it. And I do think the Royal Bombs is wonderful. I didn't feel that one bit in The Life Aquatic. I really felt like that was such a cold, deadening, aggravating movie to the point where I'm still staggered by how ghastly Kate Blanchett is in that movie.
0: I mean, I do, I do get your criticism of that. Like he, his style is extremely deadpan, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. <laughs> like, I I couldn't tell you why uh, I love him so much. Like, why I love his movies so much.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's how tastes work. I feel like Paul King, on the other hand, has the style and blends it with the heart that Anderson misses for me.
0: Yeah, because like, f- at least the first film was very Wes Anderson in style.
1: Yeah, the second movie, I think... Still is, but goes in, especially in the storybook sequence, in the pop up book sequence, which felt to me like an homage to the short films. It's very much in the style of the short films where Paddington was the only non paper cut out thing in those scenes. It really felt to me like that's what they were homaging. And I'm going to note, we're going to be talking a lot more about the second movie than we are the first movie, because a lot of what we like about the first movie can be carried over the second movie Um, with one exception. There is one thing that the second movie is missing and we'll get into that later, but it's so you, so I really feel like, you know, that's where it's homaging the style of the short films, but it also is getting at, that's where I really felt Anderson's touch. And I really, I don't know, but then again, I really kind of feel like Paul King is of that spirit where he's his own thing. He is his own voice. And I, I think he's, It's interesting that we have this moment where you're you're seeing guys like Paul King and uh, Taika Waititi, guys that are coming out of their own niches and are bringing over their own styles that are unique and different and bringing it to adaptations. Because while I feel like this is very much of Michael Bond's spirit in terms of you know, certainly the physical comedy is classic Michael Bond. It also has its own thing. There's a weirdness to these movies that is not in Michael Bond, and that's a good thing because I think the weirdness is really notable,
0: you know because the movie ends the second movie ends with a chase, like with this kind of series of action sequences. Didn't you say that uh, Michael Bond would not have liked that at all?
1: I say that, but Bond really approved hard of the first movie which also ends in kind of an epic action scene. It's strange because, okay, the Michael Bond stories, they're so small. They're sm- they're so simple. Paddington might go to a dentist, and that goes crazy. Or he might be at a, you know, just small things. He goes to small locations. He might go to the movie theater, and it goes haywire. He's not going to find himself escaping a runaway train.
0: Yeah. But of course, this is a film so it has that room to do so. And
1: you know what? I don't care because these sequences work so well. Yeah, the 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 chase scene that ends this movie is amazing. It really is. It is so well executed. So many moving parts, so well shot and so gloriously British. There's no other word for it. This is of a very British spirit. You know what it reminded me of was a fish called Wanda. Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, where it did, it, didn't it?
1: it? It has that same it has that same spirit. And that's the thing that I like about this franchise is it really does Let's talk about the villains. Because I really do want to talk about how great the villain casting is in these movies. Yeah. Nicole One kid. of the grand traditions of British pantomime is that it's a real honor to get to play an over the top comic villain. Like, if you, you'll see this tradition throughout British. I feel so bad because here we are and we're Americans explaining this to you, to a UK audience. I apologize. We're not, I'm not being arrogant. I'm talking about what I love about, about British art here. I really am. Yeah. But you really do see this tradition in Peter Pan of, oh, you play Captain Hook, which, side note, let me just, Can I just go off on a rant here and say y'all slept on the 2003 Peter Pan?
0: Uh Which one was that? Was that the uh, Eject
1: one? No, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs was uh, Captain Hook in it. Oh my god, the 2003 Captain Hook, uh, Peter Pan was so good. I'm of the opinion that we don't need to ever tell that story again. I don't think it works anymore. But that's the last time that it worked. I guess I've never seen that one. Oh my god, it's so good. Huh. Y- y'all slept on a wonderful, beautiful, sweeping version that got the idea that Peter Pan is about being at the outer edge of sexuality. Like, people rejected that version because it plays with that idea that Peter Pan is that idea of you're between adulthood and childhood. He's that first temptation. Hmm. Oh, my God. Y'all slept on that movie so hard. I loved it. Interesting. Yeah, I remember
0: that criticism, too, and that kind of turned me off to it.
1: No, no, that's what's good about it, because it's about acknowledging that you can't have it both ways. Interesting. Peter Pan is forever, and it really sees that Peter Pan is a flawed character. To grow up will be a big adventure. That's what the movie is about. Oh, my God, I love it so much. So Jason Isaacs in that movie is doing that kind of pantomime comic villain. He plays a very sexually appealing Captain Hook for example uh, I love that version so much and so that's what you've kind of had in this film franchise is uh, with Nicole Kidman in the first movie who is the element that is missing from this movie she is when I thought they were going to have a Cruella de style villain I rolled my eyes so hard nope no Kidman is wonderful it doesn't matter that it comes from the other side of the world or that he's a different species, or that he has a worrying
0: marmalade habit. We love Paddington, and that makes him family. And families stick together. So if you want him,
1: you'll have to take us all. Okay, then. (sighs) When I say all- I've never stuffed a human before, but- Wait. And the movie marks a notable point in her career. For about 10 years, she was kind of lost in the wilderness as an actress. We we knew she was great, but she wasn't getting a lot of parts to show it, and it was hard cuz I think Kidman is a genius. I think she's one of our all-time greats. She kind of became more known for her Botox than she did her acting. And that's unfair and ageist and just so looks despicable. vile, not good. But with that movie she kind of turned the attention back to her acting cuz she was she didn't seem like she was phoning it in and there's a good reason. Uh, Kidman was a massive Paddington Bear fan from childhood Hmm. Uh, to the point that she used to wish that he could come live with her growing up. Like she was a diehard fan. And so she did this movie because it was the closest she'd ever get. So there's your feel good for the moment. And it showed in her performance. Oh, my God, did it show because she gave everything (laughs) to it. She did. Uh, It is. And, okay, we didn't need a cruel. that may be one thing that I think the second movie has over it, is that the villain plot doesn't feel like it's at a cross-section with the main plot. It is one story that's much more unified.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Also, the first movie has to get the origin of who Paddington is out of the way. It has to get him accepted— yeah. the standard tropes of the first movie it's the first movie's wonderful mm-hmm. but these are cliches that i kind of wish it hadn't had to deal with the second movie can just be one unified story the
0: second movie also felt organic like in its development like it it did it did start with like you know started with oh well this is how things have been going You know, it's been a little, it's been just a little bit since the first film. Mm -hmm. This is how things have been going. He's made friends with everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, he's, and uh, things are going really, really well. And, well, and then one thing just leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Until we get to, like, because we don't, we don't get to Hugh. Hugh Grant. Yeah. (laughs) I had a few last names before I got to him, but yeah. yeah. There's Um, a lot of Hughes. There are a lot of Hughes. Yeah, we don't get to Hugh Grant until, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes into the story. Like, God, it's worth it when we do. It is, yeah. And and even his plot is like, oh. Like, you don't find out what, like, you find out, like, you kind of see it in his face when Paddington mentions, yeah, the storybook. uh, That, you know, something is wrong. And obviously, this is going to be the villain. You don't see why you don't see why until a little later after that. So it just sort of, and then just sort of develops from there. And it uh, does, yeah. And so I feel like this one is a lot more organic too.
1: By the way, the chase scene where Paddington is going after Grant in mm-hmm. uh, early on in the film. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I love that scene so much. I do. Yeah, I love it. It is so. Man, King knows how to execute this stuff. I. I have little doubt that if they don't do a Paddington three, and I think they will, or if King doesn't come back for it, Hollywood's going to snatch him up for something. He's going to get snatched up. He's going to find himself doing something. I don't know what yet, but he's going to find himself doing something. He's the real deal. So, you, so again, you have Grant, and that's the only way you can really touch Kidman in the first movie is to bring in Hugh Grant, who... God damn it, I love Hugh Grant. I, I, Grant is one of those guys, he suffered early on in his career because Hollywood wanted him to be the conventional nice guy leading man. No! <laughs> no, that's not what he's good at. He's His gift is the cad. It's the asshole.
0: That's why I think he's great
1: in About a Boy. Oh my god, yes he is. Oh, he is he's phenomenal in about a boy where he gets to just play the worst person and you believe him. I, I love him in that movie. I hold on to that one. We're going to be, we're going to come back to that one. If we, we've, I can't believe we've never casted on that one. That surprises me. If I can recommend a place, a part that he did that has gotten horribly overlooked, look up music and lyrics uh, with uh, mm. Drew Barrymore. You, yes, you, you've seen it. You've seen it. Yes, man, that's a good movie that no one talks about. That is
0: an amazing movie, and the songs in it are great too.
1: The so, uh, it's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure who did the music. It's good music, though. It, it's very believable pop music. Um, it's an homage to the premise of it is basically what happened to Andrew Ridgeley from Wham. I mean. Grant's character is so thinly veiled as an as Andrew originally from Wham. Grant is great in it. Um, Barrymore is great in it. Um, it's it's funny. It's smart. If y'all want to see an underrated gem, that's one that I highly recommend. But anyway, in this movie, he gets to play an actor, and what I love is he's not playing a modern actor. He's playing a throwback. To the 1920s, you know, stage legend actors. He's ridiculous. He's a farce of an actor. He's so vain that his house is nothing but pictures of himself.
0: <laughs> I just love the, the, uh, like when they're searching his house and. Oh my God, it's great. Yeah, just the moment that flips, uh, the father is, uh, Getting into the attic and looking around, going, "Oh, he's a weirdo."
1: Yeah, it's just yeah.
0: one the line. Timing.
1: <laughs> the timing in this movie yeah. is precision. Yeah, I, it really is. i i uh, it's, and it's precision throughout the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the that that amazing sequence in the barber shop, which is straight out of Michael Bond. I mean, that is classic Paddington physical comedy. And it is a just insane sequence. All these steps that have to build up and it kills. Oh my God. Does it kill? I mean, it ends with, you know, the mother, like, it's just a haircut. Nothing will go wrong. Wham, Paddington gets flung against the window. (laughs) We'll go somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) We could be here all day talking about the best parts of these movies. Um, but uh, getting back to Grant, I love what a weird performance he, he gives in it, uh, where he's talking to himself in the various parts. There's
0: no laughing matter. And I should know, I spent three years in Les Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Buchanan, you live on the same street as the defendant. I do. And you were an eyewitness to the events that night.
1: Indeed, I was. I was up late when I became aware of a hullabaloo. The street below i went to my awards room which is a large room overlooking the newspaper kiosk and i saw young paddington riding a rather disreputable looking hound i mean you want to talk about another case of an actor just firing on all cylinders and yeah he
0: he threw himself into this
1: that's i think what really separates this franchise from say an american franchise like this where you can see that the actors just don't care and they're doing it for a paycheck, mm-hmm. you can feel the joy that uh, that these guys are that these people are having. You can feel how much Grant is just having fun with it, how ludicrous he's going. It's obvious that King didn't tell him to stop one bit. It's obvious that King was like, "Turn it up a little bit louder."
0: Yeah, exactly uh ah, fantastic
1: <laughs> God he's good in this movie i i really y'all i really do love this franchise i really do um i i let's 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 talk about one of the big elements that we haven't got to touch on yet, which is the c g i let's let, let's talk about Paddington himself yeah uh he's convincing it's a marvel of c g i it really is you never doubt that he's in the same shots as these people. Let's keep in mind they weren't working on the same budget as, say, a Harry Potter. Though these were, though these were not low budget films. Let's not kid ourselves. These weren't exactly homemade films. These, I mean, Paddington's a big British icon, so this was extensively European. I mean, this was almost all European funding. Because uh, certainly, because the movie changed distributors in America.
0: I don't know that.
1: Yes, it changed distributors. Next. Oh. I think I understand. Yes, yes, you do understand. I understand um, completely. However, it's to be—it's to Warner Brothers' credit that they picked up distribution, didn't change the advertising campaign, didn't change the release date. Literally, you could have gone, you could have never noticed anything had changed. Uh, didn't change anything about how the film was made. I definitely didn't notice. No, you, you don't notice. Um, it, it's so smooth. But anyway, Paddington himself, you never doubt he's in those shots. And, God, he's such an expressive little bear.
0: I think I uh, liked the uh, inclusion of the hard stare in this one a lot more, too. Oh, they have fun with the hard (laughs) stare.
1: Yes. The the scene where Brendan Gleeson is, like, really uncomfortable (laughs) and really backing down (laughs) is so good. A hardened criminal. (laughs) And, and Gleason has played some real terrible people. Mm-hmm. Like like okay, he's playing a comedy of a bad guy in this movie. Though of course his character is an ally and yeah, but you know, he's playing a comedy yeah. of a hardened criminal. Yeah. Gleason has played some psychotic monsters in movies. He's, and here he's getting to really play just a sweet funny version of that. And Gleason sells the hell out of being intimidated by this small, very angry bear who is demanding that he help. And it sells the hard stare, which again, straight out of the books, straight out of the books, credit due. Again, the work on his eyes, he seems so present. He He never seems uncanny valley. He never seems creepy. He never seems like there's something wrong. He's a bear but he's also got human traits and he is so expressive when he's sad. You really feel for him. Yeah. Uh, when the Browns don't show up and he thinks that they've forgotten him. When in fact, the opposite is the case. They were fighting to help him. Heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. I think I may have cried. <laughs> Brad Jones noted in his review that he cried. Uh, I, I highly recommend. Have you watched Jones's review of the movie?
0: I haven't yet. No.
1: He talks about walking, watching the first one without having seen, with uh, only having seen the first one the same day. So he he watched them back to back. Basically, he said that he really felt things watching it. That you know that it really moved him because uh, it's touching and it's just fascinating to me how much they make this character. To the point that you you really accept him. Everyone's so nonchalant about the fact that there's a talking bear walking around.
0: <laughs> yeah, from the from the word go, like in the first movie, like you know he's he's in Paddington Station just waiting to be adopted by somebody, and then like the Brown family walks by, and it's like uh, what <laughs> I love it. Uh, it just establishes so much this one line uh, about how everybody regards him. Oh, uh, it's just a bear. He's probably selling something. Don't look.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, you accept it. You just accept. You're just, you just go with it. You just go with it. Because, okay. Okay. He's he's a bear. Okay. That's what this is. <laughs> and I like that. There's the great line in the first movie where they're, you know, Trump, where Paddington goes missing and Mrs. Brown is trying to describe him to a police officer. and
0: He's about three foot six. He's got a bright red hat on and a blue duffel coat. And he's a bear. It's not much to go on.
1: Really? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That again, it's that very just droll oh. British humor that I love so much.
0: Just there's so many there's so many bear puns in the first one, especially. Mm. Like one of my favorites is the in five hundred yards bare left. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. And uh, also uh, the newspaper from you know from after that scene. It's a fur cop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, these movies are just they're such a love letter to abs, absurdity to silliness, but at the same time they're so loaded with physical comedy that kids will get them too. They really are that perfect blend of. Movies for adults and movies for kids in that, again, and I think adults are also going to pick up on the political element of these movies that we have to address. There's a strong political element running through these movies. It's hard. It's hard not to look at the fact that Paddington is an immigrant. He's a refugee. And we're in an age where that's a really political topic. It it always has been. But it's really bad right now. Post Brexit and the 2016 presidential election. Yeah. Paddington. And, and let's be clear saying that Paddington is intended as an allegory for the refugee situation is not us reading something that's not in the text. Michael Bond explicitly repeatedly said, that's what this is. Hmm. He said, I wrote Paddington as an allegory for what it is to be a refugee. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Bond has never backed down from that. He's never shied away from the fact that that's what he intended. And that's what he got. That's what he pulled off with this franchise. Because I see that. I see that all the way. Paddington is definitely a refugee. And I think that's a really important idea that this movie gets into. Especially in the second movie, you see, you see, in the especially in the second movie, how how difficult it is. I mean, there's the, there's a great sequence in the first movie where Mr. Gruber is talking about his experience as a child, and it really lays it out for you.
0: It does, yeah. And he and that's the, um, yeah, talking about, uh, yeah, refugee orphans who used to come with tags or other necks, and you see that. Yeah, yeah. He was one of those, like exactly yeah. as described.
1: That's a really important message to be getting across in 2018. And, that we have this story.
0: And now he owns
1: a toy store, like a mm-hmm. very successful one. That's a really important message, and I think we need that in this age. To see to introduce kids to the idea of the vitality of refugees. And that's an idea that runs throughout the entire franchise. You see, peop- you see diverse people left and right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see, like the judges, uh, an Indian woman in the second movie. Who, by the way, that actress was on Broadchurch. Um, Uh, That was cool. That was cool. Oh, God, this is not the place for me to start foaming about Broadchurch, but it's one of my favorite pieces of art ever, okay?
0: I need to watch it so we can cast.
1: Yes, you need to watch it so we can cast. On That may be one I bring Amanda in on. Yeah, yeah. The first season of Broadchurch is the most perfect season of television I have ever seen in my entire life. Ever. Hmm. Wow. Just That's pretty high praise. That is high praise, and it's not light either. It is one of the supreme works that I've ever seen. I I I love it. I love it so much. So yeah. Yeah. My God, I love Broadchurch so much. So anyway, now that we've covered that, now that we've gotten through that, um, I, I, I like that there's also perpetually the band that follows Paddington around, even in the prison.
0: Mm, that's true. That's true.
1: Kind D, of the Greek chorus of the movie. Yeah,
0: D. Lime was D. Lime in there? Uh, any other place besides the prison in the second film, or was that just a
1: cameo? Uh you hear you hear them a couple times. I know.
0: I think yeah, I
1: think you're right on that. But I love that. I love that 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 idea that really does go through this movie of, and again, I I I mentioned this at the start of the cast. It is funny to me that Paddington isn't a Bart Simpson type character. And yet he has his own franchise. He's a lovable little guy. He's sweet. He's nice. He's a good guy. He's a good bear. It's so strange to have a franchise where the protagonist just wants to do good. I mean, the entire plot of the second movie is Paddington wants to get a pop-up book for his aunt so that she can live out the trip to London that she never got grown that. Yeah. And she is turning 100. She's turning 100. He just wants to help his aunt. That's what this entire second movie is based on, is Paddington wants to get a gift for his aunt.
0: And the, f- and the fact that he's, you know, willing to go to such great lengths to get that because
1: he's found what he thinks is the perfect gift for her. What a surreal plot to have. So anyway, Paddington... We have to compare this to Peter Rabbit, because the trailer for Peter Rabbit played, I know... In the past month, I've seen
0: Star Wars, I have seen Paddington 2, I have seen... Uh, I didn't see it on the front of the post, thank God, although... Oh, thank why? God. Um, uh, I saw The Greatest Showman. Yeah, I've seen at least three or four movies this past month. Peter Rabbit was on almost every single one of them. I am so sick of that damn
1: trailer. Can we talk about how obvious it is that the people making that do not understand Beatrix Potter one bit?
0: Like, I I think I remember, like, reading that book as a little, little kid. So oh, I, I did? Am, I yeah. Did. I am familiar.
1: Yeah, Peter Rabbit and the Barrier Patch. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> now, Peter Rabbit was a disobedient little bunny. That's the whole point of that story. But damn it... <laughs> It's not this. It's
0: not this.
1: No. And James Corden is better than this. And, and it's funny because, again, there is, a, there is a lot of physical comedy in Paddington. There is. But it's all in the spirit – but it really is all in, ultimately in the spirit of the books, which were physical comedy heavy. I mean uh, – the, the, but, but what I love is that Paddington isn't this – you know, in the movie, Peter Rabbit looks like he's this little creep. But mm-hmm. Paddington's not – He's bumbling. He's buffoonish. At one point, there's a, they directly say what they're trying to do with him, which is there's a direct Charlie Chaplin reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete with the mustache and suit. I love it. I love how perfect that is. I really do.
0: And Paddington's a bit naive, but I mean, his you know, uh, it it turns out well, and
1: you know, he's he only he only thinks the best of people. He does. How nice is it to have a franchise where that's what you have is someone who means well, who wants to help others and who does help others. I'm not going to get to the ending of this movie because I really do want people to have the joy of experiencing it for themselves. But, but I really was reminded of it's a wonderful life at the end of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I really was. And that's to be reminded of stuff like Frank Capra, Charlie Chaplin, this really is of an earlier age of, style, of filmmaking style and of spirit. And that's what I love about the Paddington franchise, ultimately, is it's classic. It's pure. It's innocent. It's good. It's nice. And I, I want to stress, it's laugh out loud hysterical. You know, it's like usually when you say something is nice and pleasant, it's not funny. This is funny, this is extremely funny,
0: and there's one moment at the end that will
1: that will rip your heart out. There is there is so much good in this, and it's a chance to see some great actors giving everything they've got. I'm not shocked that these movies have the critical response they have. they deserve it.-hmm, they don't deserve more because they couldn't have more like literally that we're at the limit of I think what you can get from critical response but I love this franchise. I there is the question of will we get a third movie? The second movie did not perform so hot in the US. Not in the US. I don't... it did great in the UK. The first one did pretty good in the Yeah, the first one did really good in the US. Okay. Yeah, I firmly believe that the second one just was a victim of bad timing. There was a drought of kids movies when the first one came out. There wasn't when the second one came out. Yeah. Because I really think stuff like Jumanji and even The Greatest Showman kind of sucked away that. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I hate that. But you know what? This one will do great on video. It did great overseas. I think we're going to get a third Paddington movie. And if we don't, I don't care. Like, in a weird way, I don't care if we don't. Because I don't – you almost – you're in the same position with the Toy Story movies where you don't want them to risk it on a second movie. Yeah, uh, fourth or a fourth movie. Or on a third – Yeah. You don't want them to risk it with another movie, but at the same time, if it goes like the toy story movies, you gotta do because it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this franchise. I love what they've given us. If you haven't seen them and you're wondering why all this response, all I can say is it's craftsmanship at its best. These are wonderfully made films and they make me happy. So I'm glad we have the Paddington bear franchise. Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens next. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all I've got to say about them.
0: Yeah, I recommend them. The first one is on Netflix. Uh, I rewatched it before I went to see a second one. I'm glad I did because there are quite a few callbacks, and it's it the fir- the second one just transitions so smoothly from the first too.
1: By the way, let's point out the reason one of the reasons that the uh, guy that played the uh, security guard was back, uh, Simon Farnaby, who plays the part, co-wrote the second movie. <laughs>
0: which i didn't know at the time but it was really funny to see him yeah
1: i liked that he was back um
0: <laughs> everybody except nicole kidman uh that was in the first one makes an appearance in the second one you no know, our house small and it's fantastic and i loved the i loved the cameos like when richard audaudé showed up i was the only one in the theater laughing at that but
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, i loved just, his, i loved his cameo yeah just his presence
0: Yeah, I loved uh, everything about this movie.
1: Well, we are in a rare position where we do know for once exactly what we're going to be covering next week because we have to cover this movie next week. Yeah. Next week, we're going to do a 25th anniversary look at Groundhog Day.
0: Groundhog Day, yeah, which I can't believe we haven't covered in five years.
1: It's strange we haven't gotten to that movie. But it's so great.
0: Like, it's, it's, it's a very... It's a very unique, one-of-a-kind film.
1: We're going to cover a true classic next week, and we're going to get into the whys, though, again, kind of it's the same answer really this time, which is it's just tremendously crafted. Um, we're going to kind of get into, honestly, my real interest in that movie is why random movies become such touchstones. Because that's kind of a strange movie to have become, because there were so many movies released in 1990- in 1993. And yet, with one exception, I think that's probably the best remembered film of nineteen ninety three. Hmm. Only one other movie could be big enough could be big enough to trump trumpet. Uh which movie? Uh Jurassic Park. What else? Oh. Uh, okay. Jurassic Park, I mean man, Jurassic
0: Park was We talked oh. we talked about that a lot in the outtakes of the last episode.
1: Yeah, we did. We love Jurassic Park. What more do you say? Um Yeah. We're, but we're we're gonna be getting back. But anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. You can find us at thefilmroom.org, patreoncom thefilmroom. Please give, please give, please
0: do. Yes. Um. wow, uh, We need to keep our lights on over here, and like, and you all help with that. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um. And thank you. We must thank our benefactors at uh Radio Beacon online for accepting us into their fold.
1: Y'all we're loving doing this. Oh, we do. Yes.
0: This is this is a great this is a great thing for our 5 year. Just just to have this. Like this is amazing. And, you know, you all get episodes before the feed does. We we love we love you guys. And don't for, you know, when going to the don't forget to check out our other show, The Ship Has Sailed, which I do with my friend Kitty. Uh very nerdy uh, come check us out
1: we're live and don't forget to read my m- random writings that i post there too yes please do I, I every i'm trying to do retrospecticus when i feel like it's vital to do so as we head into the 10th anniversary of a lot of movies in 2008 a lot of them are going to get covered on the cast we have at least two scheduled one of which one of which i think everybody should be expecting in july but, y'all, we love doing this. Thanks for letting us uh, talk at you, and we'll see y'all next time. See you later. Bye. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake it all the time. Woke, 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 Sonora. woke your body line. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake it all the time. My girlfriend name is Indora. I tell your friends I adore her, and when she dances, her oh brother, she is a hurricane in all kind of weather. Jump in the line, shake your body and jump with the line. Jump in the line, shake your body and jump with the line. Jump in the line, shake your body and jump with the line. Jump in the line, shake your body and jump with the line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line.
0: Maybe I should take a look. I'm sorry, this is a private conversation. Oh, it's all
1: right, Mr. Brown. This is my friend, Knuckles. Go here. And this is Fibs. G'day. Spoon. Hello. Jimmy the Snitch. All right. T-Bone. Watch out. The Professor. Pope. Squeaky Pete. Oh. Double-bass Bob. Hello. No, Farmer no. Jack. Okay. Mad Dog. Oof. Johnny Cashpoint. Catching. Sir Geoffrey Wilcott. I hope I can rely on your vote. And Charlie Rumble.